Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes. On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Da Vinci. He's got a new single out called Go For Mine. It's got a lot of swagger and dollar signs in it. We're going to talk about that and so much more. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Everyone knows you're a lawyer who does rap, and we're going to talk about that. But first, let's just talk about this video. You uh, you got the Benjamins in it. How's, how, how's that for me acting old school? You know, you're talking about the money and the hustle, but in a really fun way. Yeah, you know, I, I just started making money like basically yesterday, and um, it's been a long time coming, and now I can pay people to do what I was getting paid to do before I became a lawyer, which is shoot music videos and other types of videos. And um, I had a lot of fun with it. And it's not fully indicative of the big of, of the full picture, because to get to this point and to keep it going, there's a lot of grinding. There's a lot of sleeping on couches, a lot of late nights. But um, sometimes we got to sit back and we got to celebrate and, you know, brag a little bit, I guess, or uh, motivate our own selves through our own creations. Very much so. You know, before you went to law school, did you want to go into showbiz? And then you had like your parents say, oh, no, you got you got to fall back on something that'll make money. <laughs> you know, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you put it, my parents were never the ones um, like pushing me to figure it out and make money. Um, they don't have a lot of money. Uh, they both are, you know, they're both divorced twice and they both have to actually rent rooms out in their house to kind of like, uh, you know, make ends meet in some ways, even though they both have careers. My mom's a teacher, a doctor of education now. My dad is a, uh, works for the electrical worker workers union as a governmental lobbyist. But all that aside, um, it was like my uncle and aunt in California who, you know, they're, she's the accountant, he's a lawyer. And, you know, they're, they're wondering like, what are you doing with your life? Are you, are you supporting yourself doing what you're doing? Um, and, you know, they, they saw that I had my TV show where I would interview people like Little Wayne and Akon and Wyclef and people like that and Ice Cube. And they saw it on the Dish Network in San Francisco and, you know, X, Y, and Z. It was out there. and they, But they were like, are you making money doing this? And um, mm -hmm. that was always, you know, there's a few crossroads that I got at and got to. And, you know, as I approached them, I was wondering, you know, what am I doing? What am I missing? Why have I not caught the wave to you know, make a living doing this. I mean, but I didn't start doing music until 2010. Before that, I had a, a talk show, a variety show that I started in college. And um, that's when I was interviewing all these hip hop celebrities and stuff like that. And, you know, for a good few years in the early to mid 2000s, I could basically walk into every record label from Universal, Def Jam, Atlantic, Jay and Jive and all these places, and um, I could have meetings, and I could, but because they knew, saw me as someone who could do events and promote their artists and interview them and ex and all the all that kind of stuff. But um, 
yeah, I didn't, if I was making music, maybe at the time where I had all the relationships, maybe things would have turned out a little differently, but you know, God has a plan for everybody and however the universe wants to work itself out, you know, eventually I had the opportunity to uh, go back to school and to be a lawyer. And, um, I just didn't want to keep sleeping on couches and moving back into my parents' house or doing things like that. And, um, it's kind of this gopher mine song is basically like a culmination or at least a you know a stop on the journey you know to kind of like mm -hmm. gather gather my thoughts kind of like have fun with this newfound success that i have being a lawyer having some money in my pocket and you know what's next right and it's just kind of um i'm so happy that the video came together I was sitting on the song basically since right before COVID. And, um, you know, I let a few people listen to a few different tracks and this is one of the ones they liked. And, the, and then I sent the video over to my guys that shot a few of my other videos and they came up with a great idea for the, for the video, put me on these magazine covers and stuff like that, you know, something that may never even happen, but it was fun to, you know, <laughs> allow it to happen in this video. Nice. You know, I noticed on YouTube, besides seeing your music videos, you have a really fun behind the scenes video of the making of Go For Mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my buddy, Matt, who um, does some work for the Yankees and the Yes Network and, uh, you know, has we used to do a ton of projects together before I became a lawyer. And um, I told him I was shooting this video for a few hours. We had the location. He came through and um, it was great talking to the camera again, uh, like I used to do uh, when I used to do behind the scenes of music videos and in the studios with other artists. And it was uh, it was great to kind of get the juices flowing again. And some of my boys showed up with some drinks and it wasn't the biggest party, but it was a nice little uh, afternoon uh, where I had to change outfits like a dozen times and wipe the sweat off my forehead and everything like that. But nice you know i was talking with some people yesterday in in a video studio and we were talking about do, does our performance get better uh, as we have a few drinks in the studio i think that it can definitely cut the edge where, <laughs> you know it's there's so many different things to think about um especially since i'm pretty much doing it on my own besides the people I hire for different projects. But, you know, I have, do, I do have buddies that show up with the drinks and the cameras and stuff like that. But there's so many things to think about that, you know, a couple sips here and there could definitely cut the edge, but I wasn't really drinking too much during that shoot. It was more of like a, for the rap party, you know, see, that's it. Save, save it for the rap party and, and definitely don't let the cameraman drink until the, the rap party. No, no, he's got a shaky hand already. So. <laughs> Here's a, what else I like about you is you are just yourself. Like even in your bio, you list Peter Finch Esquire, attorney, loving father, and rapper. You know, it's, it's kind of like you've got your own niche and you're not trying to be anyone else. Yeah, for good or for bad, you know, for better or for worse, it's... um. I'm not sure if I am a good actor, you know, I mean, it's kind of like I, I put my, my, I don't know if it's my heart or my personality on my sleeve and, you know, I, I can't, 
I can't just put on a front. And I think a lot of great artists are themselves. Some put on an act and aren't who they are, but um, you know, I've, in some of the, the stops on my journey, I, some people have thought of me of, as me, uh, maybe like some sort of a, an enigma, you know, like uh, when I was younger, when I was playing football at UConn, you know, there were a lot of kids from the South and they came up North to play football with us. And um, they would wonder why I would, you know, talk the way I talk or dress the way I dressed. And, you know, I, when I was growing up, I was like one of the only white kids in many of the social situations in school on the football team. Um, people don't think of Connecticut as maybe being, you know, a place with too many urban areas, but everybody knows there's a city everywhere, you know, there's a, a hood everywhere. And, you know, the way I grew up was, you know, the projects were right across the street, you know, it, where, where my bus stop was. And, you know, it was, I was always one of the few white kids in every situation. And so, you know, when I go out of my environment to the woods, the sticks up at University of Connecticut, it was uh, one of those situations where it was, you know, I'm still dressing, I got my ears pierced and I'm wearing jerseys and shell necklaces and Timberland boots and, you know, baggy clothes. And it's just, kind of just who I was. And now I'm wearing more Hawaiian shirts and dad shirts, but you know, I guess that's who I am now, you know? So you're kind of growing up with a, an M and M eight mile. Yeah. In some ways, you know, I'm not, maybe I don't know if I'm as prolific as he is obviously, and definitely not as successful in those ways, but in terms of you know what the movie portrayed and what his life story is um yeah you know kind of in that in that in that tone but fortunately you know i did have you know both parents in my life still do um you know there's a lot of benefits that i did have growing up um it was just one of those weird situations where you know bridgeport that's the city i'm from it's in Fairfield County in Connecticut, which is like the Gold Coast. It's where all the finance people from New York live. It's where all these hedge funds are. But there's so many different uh, pockets of you know poverty and, and stuff like that, that um, and my dad was in politics. So if we're going to political fundraisers, we might go to like the richest people's house in Westport, you know, and but then we're coming back to Bridgeport. And so maybe compared to a lot of my friends, Maybe, you know, I I was kind of privileged, but compared to the kids in maybe New Haven and Westport and things like that, I was far from it. You know, my dad was like, listen, we got a roof over your head. Uh, we got I don't know if we got heat that, you know, keeps the house at like 64, you know, but at the same time, my dad wasn't. This is kind of what I was talking to the judge about recently, you know, when I was standing next to. Uh, my client who I was arguing, you know, for to get him less jail time on something he pled guilty to. I said, you know, your honor, you know, the defendant to my left, we were born in the same year. He was born a couple months after me, but, you know, maybe that could be me standing to my left if I didn't have my dad in my life, like he didn't have, or, you know, if my mom wasn't abusive, like his mom and my mom wasn't hooked on drugs like his mom, you know, my family wasn't perfect. You know, they got divorced and 
you know, they were dreamers, you know, of my mom as a ballet dancer and my dad as a, you know, politician who he th thought he th thinks he could save the world, you know, through government and stuff like that. They that's who they were. So that was the argument I was making to the judge. Like there's just a couple different opportunities that we had. Um, and so I know I went off on a tangent, but it's like it's kind of like being in the middle of a couple different worlds and trying to navigate it all while people think, you know, maybe I have a silver spoon in my mouth because my dad eventually became mayor of Bridgeport, but I was with him when he was, you know, unemployed painting houses back in the day, you know? So everybody has their, their journey and, you know, the things that help to build their character and make them successful. And, um, you know, but at the same time, it's just a, it's a, a unique upbringing that, you know, I could have went down many different paths in the social settings I was in and the people I grew up with. And fortunately, um, maybe I got lucky a couple of times and, but I always did all my homework. So when you're in the courtroom, are you ever tempted to start rapping? <laughs> um, the mostly no, cause it's, it's such a serious setting even though I try to have a little bit of, you know, swagger and smile, you know, while I'm in there to kind of like cut the edge, you know, it is a serious setting. So I have thought about it, you know, preparing some rhymes and stuff like that. I haven't gotten there yet, but, you know, I just started my career six years ago. So it may be something I, uh, I implement moving forward. Like, especially if you want to disarm a jury that you could, that would like throw a wrench in it. <laughs> I, I think you're on to something. Um, you know, it's just, sometimes there's so much preparation that, um, and, but I think you're right. I think to cut some undercut, some of the seriousness, it might help, but you never know. Some things could cut the opposite way. You know, maybe people will think, oh, he doesn't take things that seriously. Right. Um, so it's a it's a danger. It's a danger. But I think it'll be have to have to be a calculated risk. You know, with I had my daughter's two and a half and my son's seven months. And um, it's it's not the easiest to kind of get that peace of mind to, uh, <laughs> you know, write write some rhymes right now. Well, I think if you did it, you'd either win the case or the judge would cite you for contempt of court yeah it it, it could be i um <laughs> hey I the, hey how about a music video in the courtroom that that must be like a natural have you ever thought of doing that yeah i do have a couple video treatments that uh you know me and some of my people have prepared to kind of um to do that just need to find the the courtroom you know, Connecticut doesn't have mo the most locations for filming, you know, and maybe New York would. So I'd have to maybe travel to New York for something like that. But I definitely have songs that I'd like to shoot some videos for. And since I'm the rapping lawyer, it could be almost a lot of them could be in the courtroom. So um, you'll probably well, see that at some point in time. Well, I hear they're rebooting Night Court. So maybe you could use their set. What a great show, and maybe I'll get casted in that. Who knows? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? They could bring you on as the rapping lawyer. 
you know, I, I did have an interesting experience a couple of years ago. And um, there was this actor who was in that HBO show, The Wire. I think um, Jason Williams, was it? Or I forget what his name was. But I, I played a lawyer in this little short film where one of these actors was in it. And uh, it was a fun experience. I think I'd do better today, though, having been a lawyer for a few more years than that. Nice. Well, here's one thing I've learned about lawyers. A lot of them do have a lot of interest in the arts. Like I know a lot of people who maybe wanted to be a writer and instead they channeled that into being a lawyer or they wanted to be an actor or, or something. It just seems like there there's a lot of similarities, like that creative part of being you know, an actor, you can channel that into being a lawyer. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I mean, you do have to memorize lines. You do have to go up in front of people and, um, you know, be persuasive and play that role. And so I think there are a lot of similarities. And, you know, I think you were saying something earlier. I, mean, I don't know. It's like a lot of people become lawyers. Well, I guess everybody becomes lawyers for different different reasons. But there's definitely some that become lawyers that maybe they they'll want to have a boss or maybe they want something more flexible or they want something that um, is maybe as close to being an actor as possible. Right. I mean, every day you, you, when you put on your suit, you're, you got to, uh, you know, be a different person than when, you know, like right now, than when I'm in my Hawaiian shirt, um, you got to be a little bit more serious and you have to make, cogent arguments that are persuasive and you have to make people feel confident that you're representing them to the best way any lawyer can. Um, and, you know, most people can't support themselves being an actor. So sometimes the next best thing is uh, being a lawyer. It's like what, mm -hmm. when I was thinking about going back to law school, nine years after I graduated uh, UConn, um, I remember, you know, taking care of my grandparents a little bit before they passed away. And I was just trying to think about, you know, I'm at the crossroads right now. Like is going back to school after all this time, the right way. So you would, so I was researching a lot of different types of people who became lawyers. I mean, what's his name? Gerard Butler. He's a lawyer or went to law school. You know, there's different people, you know, I wanted to know that it was possible for me to maybe not fully relinquish all creativity and in hopes of you know finding you know being successful in this avenue and so i was doing a lot of research in terms of who who else took an alternative or circuitous path to being a lawyer and um you know i could tell you when i went back to law school i was all in though because i was i was intrigued to have those types of discussions um in class the debates you know, I was all in. I was one of the older people in the class. And it's funny, I just missed a call from, I think, the oldest guy that was in our class that I haven't spoke to in a long time, like 10 minutes ago. But um, it was where I was supposed to be. And, you know, it's like I don't have any regrets. Things could have turned out any any which way. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy to um, be able to not be broke and to have a lot of people trust in me and to provide for my family now and to now invest more in in um in my creativity you know mm -hmm. do you ever feel like the more successful you get as a lawyer you won't have that that same hunger that that you need as a rapper 
Sometimes. And sometimes I'm just afraid that I just don't have as much time as I'd like to, to, you know, um, explore my, you know, my feelings and thoughts through music as much. Um, but there's a lot in the vault that I haven't really put out. And I keep on, even though it's not as frequent as maybe I would like, I keep on finding the inspirations to come up with different songs or verses and things like that. And um, the hunger. Is that the, is, is that the danger all rappers have? Say you come up on the streets, you know, you're, you're Jay-Z, you're Eminem, you know, and, right. and people like you because of that authenticity. And then you become a multimillionaire. At what point do you not have that same perspective? Yeah, I think that's that's the fear, the danger, the double-edged sword of it all, right? You you want all of that, and then when you get it, are you are you going to still have that hunger? I mean, obviously, people evolve or change, you know, and maybe maybe it's just you know like a, a football or sports career, like you had your career and then you retire because it's a it's a young man's game or you know different genres of music though you got andrew bocelli singing into whatever he'll probably sing you know like Pavarotti until they're gone or you know country artists there's country artists seems to have a little bit more you know longevity to their careers or they could be in their 40s or 50s or 60s singing you know rap is one of those where it's a young man's game it seems like more so than anything um jay-z can come out with some but here's songs what's cool yeah, yeah, and here's what's cool about you, though. See, you're not basing it on street cred. You're just right off the bat saying, you're this lawyer doing rap. So it's like you don't have to go through that transition. You're already up here saying, yeah, I've made it. I've got myself established. You know, what you see is what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And it, it, it makes it so where maybe some of my older songs where I do talk about more struggling and things like that, maybe they just won't have any relevance, you know, but I mean, life, life is uh, not that easy, you know, sustaining a business or uh, just staying alive doesn't seem that easy. So I think there's always going to be, you know, heartache and trouble and tragedy which not every song needs to be, but, you know, if you could tap into that, that moment and create some art out of it, you know, I think that's, that's the key. Right. But, um, if you're well, busy, do you think there are some people who've been watching you kind of standing on the sidelines saying Da Vinci could be the one to represent us. Like, you know, there are these Connecticut hedge fund managers saying, <laughs> All right, Finchy, let, let's hear some some lyrics about us now. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I don't know who's out there. You know, sometimes I wonder if anyone's listening. Um, but, you know, I can't say that I necessarily am out here making music for any particular type of person. I guess it's really like, whatever is inspiring me at the moment to say rap or sing something, I think it would be cool. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, there's definitely songs I have that I'm sure some of these um, hedge fund guys will like, you know, my first song I ever made, which 
I was scrolling through my website today, got to update it. But at the bottom of it, it was the first song I ever made and it was called My Celebrity. And it was a remix to 50 Cent's song, Beamer, Benz or Bentley. It was the it was the first song I ever made, first song I ever wrote or recorded. And it was I mean, it was the funnest time doing it. It took a lot of focus and trying to find out how to uh, actually make a song. And uh, <laughs> when I was trying to figure out what I was doing in my life at one of my crossroads, uh, I rekindled a relationship with a guy who had an options trading firm in New York. And, you know, he knew me from when I would do the, I was the doorman at the Soho house in the uh, meatpacking district in New York city for a year and a half. And I stayed in contact with him and everything. The point of the story is when I, when I walk into his trading floor with his team of like 30 people who are running his options trading desk, they're all singing my, my song, my celebrity song. So it kind of goes with actually what you what you uh, asked me just now, um, nice. you know, <laughs> you know what? Now, now another location. What would it take to get permission to film a music video at the New York Stock Exchange? Well, I'm a firm believer anything's possible. Um, what would it take? It'd take me having ultimate relationships, or maybe a song that is just like, wow, man that song's gotta be, that song's it, you know? And then maybe there's so much um, buzz or some money behind the song or some relationships to get in there. Or maybe it's just calling to figure out, you know, how to make it happen through some uh, permitting or, I have no idea, but there was a song I did called Money Mouth um, a few years back. And it was right around the time of uh, Occupy Wall Street. And, you know, the whole premise of the song was thinking like, you know, if you don't have money, you don't have a, a mouthpiece or some some kind of mode inspiration like that. You know, it's like freedom of speech isn't free, you know, and um, so I I was inspired to make this song. I, I kind of made the beat and then I got it remixed by this guy, Blade, who's, you know, who thrashes on the guitar. And the whole premise with the song, I took a, a Floyd Mayweather uh, video from YouTube where he's counting out a million dollars on his bed, right? And I sped up his voice so you couldn't really tell it was his voice. And, you know, money mouth, money, money, money mouth, put your money where your mouth is, you know? And then the whole concept of the song is kind of um, that just like fighting to have a voice and without money, do you even have a voice? And the conundrum of it all, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that start from nothing and then their voices ring all over the world. And you never really know how that works. But um, it was, uh, I, I love that song, you know, fend for yourself, middlemen get wealth, figure 10% make it, other 90 don't swell, crowd swell in 99s while ones flaunt down, drink wine and ring bells. Masses converge, tear gases hit perps, concerned citizens or immature dissonance, peasants exchange pleasantries, businesses trade S&Ps, indices mean less than me like G Greece's GDP, CEO effigies, profiles encourage, discourage indies, mergers, encourage, <laughs> yeah, so I haven't wrapped that verse in a while, but that was a, that was um, 
that goes to your, you know, filming on Wall Street. I, I did a green screen video that day, my mom's garage, you know, where a lot of uh, success stories start. And uh, it was uh, a great time. I shot the video on my own. I edited it on some crazy creativity, experimental type stuff. I made the beat and everything. And uh, that's probably one of the projects I've done the most work on all aspects of the music. Because a lot of times I just now I just like find a beat online and negotiate the deal with the producer. And um, yeah, I'm talking a lot, but I guess that's why you have me on the show, right? <laughs> well, do you think that you are filling this gap in rap and hip hop, like a demographic that, that isn't being served? It's a very good question. Sometimes I wonder, like, you know, what exactly my demographic is, right? I mean, you know, successful white guy in a suit rapping. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I don't even know. I, it's, it's an enigma to people. It's not really what people are looking for a lot of times. You know, rap is uh, the come up. Rap is um you know it's not usually a white guy it's it's the culture and i don't it's not like i have an identity crisis it's just it's just i am a product of my environment where i grew up but i think one thing that is consistent is the uh aspirational um somewhat at times braggadocious sometimes social you know, the social commentary of it. I think those things are consistent regardless of maybe what my skin color or what my socioeconomic status is now. It's because um, a lot of rappers are very rich and successful before, however they've got it, you know, before they become famous. Um, you know, when I think of Connecticut, I think of that term wasp, you know, white Anglo, Saxon, Protestant, you know, there's, there's that whole image. And, and it, do, you, do you think, could we call what you do wasp rap? Um, I mean, th that's, that could be, I mean, I am white and Anglo-Saxon. I mean, I, I did look at the ancestry recently, you know, there's Irish and English on it for sure. <laughs> so, um, and, but also it's, it's kind of hard to say wasp rap. It's a mouthful right mm -hmm. there. I know. I don't even know if most people that listen to rap know what a wasp is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's almost like a shorthand it would, or it almost be like, um, you know, cause you know, just putting it out there, you know, you know, be, right. being, being the lawyer, you know, doing your thing in Connecticut. It's very memorable. You know, there's some very, there's there's a lot of different artists out there. There's some in Connecticut. There's um, you know, and some independent people who have found success. You know, even if they only get a few hundred people, they can go touring in these different cities across America on a twenty city tour and bring out you know five hundred people. And it's not maybe the uh, typical you know hip hop uh, mainstream crowd, but you know someone like Chris Webby from Connecticut. You know, he's very successful in his own right, being independent, doing that. Um, but, you know, well, what, it's do like you, what do you call the big organization for lawyers, like the National Lawyers Group? What do you call that? Or, or the Bar Association? 
Yeah, there's there's a few of them, you know, like the National Trial Trial Lawyers Association or the um, was it AAJ American. So do um, they have like annual conventions? And if so, could you like be the entertainment there? Kelly, you're very creative in, uh, <laughs> in your ideas, and I'm I'm definitely taking mental notes of these. Uh, I think that's actually a good idea. You know, maybe I need to um, get my hire a publicist to do that to set that up when quick quick story that's actually kind of related to that when i first went to law school um i gave basically everybody in my law school a copy of my most recent mixtape it was called the blackout mixtape and um the cover of it was in like black and neon kind of art and it was me spitting on a microphone with my hat backwards where you, you couldn't, you couldn't really tell it was me. Um, and it was a picture I took when I was at bad boy records that summer, when I was doing some filming and also working on a little song and stuff. And so I gave everybody in law school, my mixtape, which was me just basically like drinking Tito's all summer and having fun, making a whole bunch of songs, you know, before I had a girlfriend and now a wife, you know, and um, it was like an EP, like six or seven songs. And I gave it to everybody in law school. And fast forward, they had the Barristers Ball that year, which is like the law school prom or whatever. And it was in the biggest room at Foxwoods Casino. And I sit down at my table and there's a note. And by then I, I started dating my now wife. And there's a note that says Pistol, because Pistol Pete was another moniker of mine. They're like, Pistol we want you to perform tonight. We have your music. And, you know, I, I could say, you know, my, my girl was reluctant at the time, but I was like, wow, that's going to be awesome. This is a <laughs> great crowd. They want me to perform. Um, and so, you know, we picked two or three songs that I was going to perform. I went on stage and it's like half the school's like shaking their butt and dancing and I'm rapping. <laughs> and wow. it was like, it was uh, it was definitely a memorable experience, and um, I loved it actually. Well, hey, uh, New Year's resolution for twenty twenty three: get some more American Bar Association butts up dancing. <laughs> I think so, and I'll probably get some referrals out of it too. They may need a Connecticut lawyer or something. See, that's better than advertising on a bus stop. Yeah, well. I do that too now. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I see. I, I'm counting that you would do that. Hey, uh, all, all good things must come to an end. We're going to have to wrap up. But before we do, I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you online and, and watch Go For Mine. Yeah, so I have a website, davinchimusic.com. That's D-A-F-I-N-C-H-I music.com. And you can find all my stuff there, all the links. And I'm definitely on YouTube. Excellent. Well, since you're a lawyer and you're good at talking and persuading people, I want to give you the last word here and just to talk about uh, being yourself. You know, you chose to, you know, be the, the rapping lawyer when that's not the norm especially in Bridgeport, Connecticut, you know, what are your words for people, you know, whether they want to be a lawyer, a rapper or whatever, 
us being your authentic self? Well, um, you know, like I say in GoForMine, you, you take risks. Um, some of them maybe sh should be calculated. Some might not be make sense to anybody else. But, you know, keep your nose clean. Keep your nose to the ground. Grind it out. Um, you know, if if you're at a impasse, maybe go back to school, which is what I did. And now I can pay for all my projects and pay for my family. Um, but, you know, never give up and, you know, treasure the life you have and, um, you know, family first. Well, his name is Da Vinci, which is kind of like Da Vinci, except with a finch in there. The current single is Go For Mine. I think you're making the folks and especially the hedge fund managers in Bridgeport, Connecticut proud. And I, I can see if anyone can make uh, the first rap music video at the New York Stock Exchange, it's going to be you. Amen to that. Thanks, Kelly, for having me. This has been the Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes.